This is Scott, host of the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast and Black author. You could get all three of my books. My first book, Systematic Racism and Capitalism, Alliance of Oppression. My second book, Hypocrisy in America, The Veil of White Supremacy. And my third book, my first novel, Exodus 2035, all available on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can download the Kindle app to your smartphone or tablet, and you can access those products. Thanks for listening. Um, don't forget you and you network. You can find that on Instagram, you and you underscore network, where you can find all the shows uh, under the you and you network. Shout out to the you and you network. You know what I'm saying? And all those podcasts that's on you and you network. Think for the you and you network. The head brothers at you and you network. You can check out the socials at you a n d u underscore network. first reaction was when you heard the news that uh, the Queen is under medical supervision? Um, I mean, I think it's pretty sad, like, when anyone kind of gets in that position, like, you wouldn't want that to happen to your own family member. Um, But I'm not, like, the biggest fan of the Queen, or just, like, the monarchy in general, so I wasn't, like, that upset or overwhelmed by it. It was just something that happens, I guess. You're not the biggest fan of, of the monarchy, I wonder why. Um, mainly to do with like British, like colonial history, things like that. A lot of things that have gone on, which have been quite shady, even like recently with like Prince Andrew and everything. So, um, yeah, I'm not really that biggest fan. Fair enough. It was nice, talk- nice talking. South Africans have expressed mixed feelings on the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. While some are saddened by her loss, others are not moved or indifferent about her death. Let's hear them out. It's sad, yes, clearly it is, but, you know, and as an African, as uh, someone that was colonized by the British, you know, we, we, we don't feel the way the rest of the world feel. In fact, she, the British people must give our land back, our diamonds back, our, our heritage, and that's something that we will always ask for. Looked up to her. As a legacy that, uh, that has been effective in any way, because she has not made a difference uh, to the uh, to the countries that was once ravaged by the British Empire, India is still reeling from the from the uh, um, issues of of colonialism, and South Africa. We here, we have inherited the the outrages and atrocities that they've started would in the first place passed over to the Africana and then of course you know thank God that we've now become somewhat uh, becoming a normal society. Do not mourn the death of a colonizer and a murderer who came and killed our people and she's wearing proudly a stolen coat on her head. We have nothing to do with the queen. All over Africa today, people tweet, Hey, we mourn, hey, we mourn the queen. But when Helen Zille tweeted and said, 
there, not everything is bad about colonialism. You all said Helen Zile is a racist. How can she praise colonialism? By mourning and praising the queen, you are celebrating colonialism. You are not different from Helen Zile. We were not colonized by the land called Britain. We were colonized by the leadership of Britain that killed our people. So we must not be asked to do wrong things here. We are very clear. The Queen does not represent anything good. Britain has got a lot of gold, yet they don't have a single mine of gold. Those are stolen goods. Welcome back to the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. You can catch this show on Apple, on Spotify, Google Play. I think that's still a thing. Everybody should be following me on Instagram at unprocessed underscore knowledge. Click the link in the bio to access this podcast and to also donate to the show. This show is listener supported. I do not have a staff. Everything that goes on here is composed put together, written, produced, and performed by me. This show is listener supported, so go ahead and donate to the show. Go ahead and put a dollar on that cash app. I know why you're here. Shout out to the whole you and you network. I know why you're here. You're here to get what your history teacher didn't teach, what your pastor not gonna say. And what your grandma didn't tell you. That's my job. As you heard in the opening clip, we getting right into it. Queen Elizabeth has transitioned. And to celebrate her is celebrating colonialism, colonization, systemic racism, white supremacy. Why? Let me explain. Queen Elizabeth took the throne in 1952. She reigned for 70 years. Think about what was going on in 1952 while she was wearing the crown. These are the countries that she was head of state over. These are the countries that she was over. Here's just to name a few. Australia, Jamaica, Belize. Grenada, Papua New Guinea, St. Lucia, the Bahamas, the Solomon Islands, Antigua and Barbado, St. Kitts, St. Vincent, Kenya, South Africa, Pakistan, Nigeria, Uganda, Fiji, Ghana. A lot of countries with a whole lot of brown people. She ruled over them for 70 years. Do you know the type of hell that black people had to endure under the British government? And I'm talking under her from the 1950s hell up until today. Have you heard of, have, have you heard of South Africa? Have you heard of apartheid? If you don't know what it is, I've explained this before. If you don't know what it is, the apartheid system. OK, apartheid means apart means we are going to separate 
two groups of people by race, right? In America, we had segregation. We had Jim Crow. In South Africa, same system. They called it apartheid. Now, if the European wanted to stay apart, he should have kept his tail in Great Britain. Last time I looked on the map, Great Britain was pretty far from South Africa. So he didn't want to stay apart when he went down there and colonized it. But after he went down there with a military and colonized it, here comes the apartheid system. Let's take all the resources for ourselves. Y'all stay over here and starve to death. Well, that was under Queen Elizabeth. That was under her. Nelson Mandela. You heard of him, right? Celebrated as a hero. Celebrated as a freedom fighter. He did those 27 years in prison in a jail cell that's smaller than my wife's walk-in closet under Queen Elizabeth. Under her. Nelson Mandela was fighting for freedom in South Africa. He was fighting the British government. He was fighting against Queen Elizabeth. That was his enemy. That's who he was fighting against. These countries, you know, the British government didn't just reinstate or, or get about these countries' business because they felt like it was the right thing to do. They just, the British government didn't end apartheid because they felt like it was the right thing to do. The British government didn't leave India because they felt like it was the right thing to do. These people had to fight. And I'm not talking about walking around in church clothes, holding hands and singing. They had to bomb buildings. They had to pick up weapons. They literally had to hit the streets and fight them to leave their countries. They had to fight for their freedom. They had to fight their way out of apartheid. They had to fight these colonizers off. That was under Queen Elizabeth. To celebrate her is to celebrate colonization. We're not celebrating the millions upon millions of people who were destroyed, robbed, and killed under her rule, black people specifically, while she sat in Buckingham Palace, draped in the finest jewelry from Africa and India that her family stole. You know those, those crown jewels? Those cr the crown jewels of Great Britain, they come from Africa and they come from England, uh, uh, India. They don't come from Europe. The millions of black people that were destroyed under her rule, they don't get a tweet or an Instagram post or big global send off. You're not weeping for them. You're not sad about them. But the white queen who spent her life in Buckingham Palace oppress oppressing brown people all over the globe, you cry for her. That's her legacy. That's her family's legacy. That's what Meghan Markle married into. A family that was built and maintained global colonization because none of them has done anything to stop it. Black people had to fight them to get out of it. And I don't give a damn how many charities they support, how many black people they dance with, how many African kids they give hugs and take pictures with. None of them ever did anything to help our people. And some of y'all so sad and confused. <laughs> y'all was so happy when Meghan and Prince Harry got married. Oh, my God. You go, girl, black girl magic. It didn't matter that his family had a legacy of enforcing the oppression, the murder, slavery, tyranny, 
that destroyed black people. It was old, girl, you got you a prince. How'd that work out? Last I heard, they had to leave the world family. All that, all that black girl magic didn't stop them from asking how black these kids gonna be. Let's move on to this story about a black man who got arrested for watering his neighbor's grass. You heard me correctly. Hold, hold on. Called on him. And now we have this police body cam video that shows how he goes from literally a water hose to handcuffs in just a couple of minutes. I ain't did nothing suspicious or nothing wrong. Listen. Told him I'm a pastor. I passed into our heat. You want to lock me up? Lock me up. This newly released police body camera video shows the arrest of an Alabama pastor who was watering his neighbor's plants. Do what you got to do. Go on and lock me up. This past spring, Pastor Michael Jennings was doing a favor for a neighbor who'd asked him to water their plants while they were out of town. But police arrived and started questioning him. This vehicle is not supposed to be here and you're not supposed to be here. Who's saying it? I'm Pastor Jennings. I live across the street. You're Pastor Jennings? Yes, I'm looking out for their house while they go. Okay. Uh, Why didn't they fly? Okay. Well, that's cool. Do you have like ID and all? Oh, no, man. I'm not going to be you no know, ID. Why not? I ain't did nothing wrong. And if you're not one to identify yourself. I, who called y'all? That's what we got to figure out. I ain't did nothing Hello. suspicious Listen. or nothing wrong. Listen. Told him I'm a pastor. I passed into I own his. Sir. You want to lock me up? Lock me up. We're, we're just trying to talk to you, man. Come here. Look, man. Let me see your phone. Let me see your phone, dude. Just calm down, okay? No, no. Stop. Do what you got to do. Go on okay. and lock me up. I told you I'm a pastor. Okay, look, man. I, I, who called y'all? You have to identify yourself. All I did is said, hey, man, do you live here? Nah. Is that your car? No. The pastor was eventually put in the back of a squad car. A woman soon arrives on scene, identifies herself as a neighbor, and vouches for Pastor Jennings. He lives right there, and he would be watering their flowers. This is probably my fault. Okay. She says she is the one who made the initial call to police. So you called not because of the car, but because you thought someone saw someone besides him. Right, I didn't know it was him. Yeah, he, I got to keep their flowers water. I got to keep their flowers water while they're down. You okay? Jennings spoke to GMA about the ordeal. You know, it was kind of uh, surreal at that moment because I'm wondering why is this happening? I was thinking if I did something wrong or resisted that I could have been shot. So I was trying to cooperate, even though I didn't understand what was going on. I was agitated. I was angry, but I knew to comply. The 56-year-old maintains this was a case of racial profiling. They arrested this brother for watering the flowers. <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't hold it in. So this, this black man, whose neighbors is white, his neighbors out of town, he told his white neighbors, I look out for your house. He watering their flowers. Another neighbor who is a white woman calls the cops and says, like, it's, it's some nigger over here acting suspicious. Please come. The police show up. They ask the brother who he said, hey, man, you know, I live across the street. I'm watering the flowers. They ask for ID. He, he, you know, he's agitated. He's doesn't want to he's I ain't got no ID on me man I'm not doing anything number one show me where it's illegal to water flowers there is no law being broken now it is illegal for the police to ask you for ID when you're not breaking any laws that's that actually is a crime the brother's watering flowers he gets in the back and forth with the police they do end up arresting this brother the white woman who calls the cops comes over and says oh yeah that's our nigger neighbor. I didn't know it was him. 
I, I thought it was a nigger I didn't recognize. He does live across the street, and yes, he does water their flowers. Guess what? They still took him to jail. <laughs> the police say, well, once he's been arrested, we can't unarrest him. So we just going to go ahead and take this nigger down to the station because, you know, basically he was being mouthy. Basically, he was mouthing off. That's why they say, here's what they hit you with. You're not complying. You're not following officers orders. You don't want to identify yourself. You're acting suspicious. Got to arrest you. None of those are, are crimes. Acting suspicious. That's subjective. He's not breaking any laws. He's watering flowers. Even if he wasn't a neighbor, even if he didn't live there. Even if he was some type of, you know, crazy flower enthusiast and he was riding by and saw some dry ass flowers and was like, oh, my God, I got to water these flowers. They, they've been neglected. That's not against the law. The neighbors, when they got back from vacation, either even confirmed. Yes, we did ask him to water our flowers. We did ask him to look out for the house while we were gone. So he wasn't trespassing the owner's invited him over and gave him permission to be on the property and water the flowers this man broke no laws they still took him to jail i can laugh because the brother's still alive he's still alive you know they they didn't go upside his head they didn't shoot him they didn't kill him but he got arrested for watering flowers this is america and for y'all who didn't know okay backdoor nazi germany the nazi police the gestapo they used to stop the Jews and they always ask, where you going? Give us some ID. The reason they would do that is because they would find out where the Jews were going and then they would show up and just, you know, brutalize the whole party. If you was going to a party, oh, where you going? What you doing over there? It's a party over there. Okay. You got some ID on you? Okay. They passed international laws saying police not supposed to do that. Police aren't it's supposed to be international law because of what happened in Nazi Germany. Police are not supposed to stop anybody when they're not breaking the law and ask them to identify yourself. Where you going? What you doing? Who else is going to be there? That's why. If you didn't know, now you know. Since we're talking about water, let's talk about the water issue that's going on down in Jackson, Mississippi. Same day that 600 National Guard members deployed around the city to distribute water to tens of thousands of people, one steady line of cars flowed instead through a quiet residential neighborhood. Silver car coming all the way down. Six months ago, the Sykes Community Center got a filter to purify water for local residents to pick up. Jason Page, a youth mentor with the group Strong Arms, helps direct traffic. No, we just don't do it periodically. We do it every single day. If someone has jugs or something they can put water in, that filter that we have in there, it cleans the water. Because Jackson water has been messed up for a while now. A long while. Halima Olufemi is 45, an activist with the People's Advocacy Institute, and grew up in Jackson. Uh, my big mama and my Jojo, these are my great-grandmothers and grandmothers, would always have to um, boil water, so much so that we would buy extra jugs and they would always uh, pour the water in. At a certain point, the little plastic would start coming out of one jug, so we had to go ahead and fill it. And it was a way of life 
Olufemi is helping distribute water in this emergency. So is Danielle Holmes with the Mississippi Poor People's Campaign. She moved here from the Mississippi Delta 30 years ago. Never, I've never drank tap water since I've been here in, in the city of Jackson. Never. The aging water lines can leak, leading to low pressure and contamination. There are also broken water and sewage lines and a lead problem. Holmes boils her water and does take showers, but her water's brown and she refuses to take a bath in that. Now before uh, my mom passed away three years ago, it did me good to just go home to take baths back in Greenwood. You know, that was a luxury for me, so. When you ask almost anyone here why the water's been bad so long, the answer inevitably turns to politics and race. School desegregation led to white flight in the 70s. That transformed Jackson into an overwhelmingly black city and a largely poor one. The mayor is black and a Democrat. The governor and most state lawmakers are white and Republican. Again, Danielle Holmes. Well, this is a direct reflection of those that are in power, who have refused or just pretty much neglected to do what they have the power to do, and that's to invest in the infrastructure here in the city of Jackson. The mayor says fixing the water system would cost more than a billion dollars, and there's no way Jackson's shriveled tax base can pay for that. But when the city asks the state for money, it usually gets far less than requested, if any. The governor blames water problems on the city's mismanagement, and this year, he signed the state's largest ever tax cut. For Olufemi, it's all part of the country's fraught racial history. I guess when you look at the fiber of America and the way that they have treated people who are economically disadvantaged, and I always go to people of color because that's what I'm experiencing, and I, I don't think that they care until it, you know, happens to them. So until it affects their homes, their children, their money, then they don't pay attention. Carlos Martin of the Brookings Institution says the impact of race and partisan politics on infrastructure is real, and Jackson's residents are not alone. The water down in Jackson, Mississippi, down in Jackson, Mississippi, has been undrinkable for 30 years. 30 years the water has been bad. Why? That's where all the niggers live. Flint, Michigan, bad water. Why? That's where all the brown people live. West Baltimore, up until a week ago, they were under a boil water advisory. A lot of black people live in West Baltimore. They didn't have clean water. That one didn't make national news because everybody's crying about the white queen in Buckingham, who lived a life in Buckingham Palace. They died. Racism, white supremacy is the reason why these predominantly black cities don't have clean drinking water that's the reason did a whole show talking about environmental racism white flight means we taking all the resources with you we're not going to put no money in this infrastructure we don't care if the lead pipes kill all you negroes and why are we talking about mississippi breaking news today newly released text messages showed that Governor Bryant and Brett Favre worked together to channel $5 million from the state's welfare fund to build a new volleyball stadium at the University of Southern Mississippi where Favre's daughter played volleyball. 
The state of Mississippi is 82% black. Mississippi is the blackest state in the country and is also the poorest. An overwhelming amount. A majority of the people on welfare in Mississippi are black. And they took $5 million from the welfare fund and gave it to former NFL Hall of, well, former NFL quarterback, I believe Hall of Fame quarterback, Brett Favre, so he could build a volleyball stadium where his daughter plays volleyball. Here are the text messages. Brett Favre, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media could find out where it came from and how much? Nancy knew who worked for the governor at the time. She replied, no, we never have had have had that information publicized. I understand you are being uneasy about it, though. Let's see what happens on Monday with the conversation with some of the folks at Southern. Maybe it will click with them, hopefully. Brett Favre, okay, thanks. Then Nancy New responded, wow, just got off the phone with Phil Bryant was the governor at the time he is on board we'll get this done and Brett Favre responded awesome I needed to hear that for sure so they don't have money for infrastructure they don't have money to help black people get clean drinking water but they'll take that welfare money and give it to Brett Favre so he can build a volleyball stadium now correct me if I'm wrong didn't Brett Favre play in the NFL for well for what 20 years then they have to drag him off the field. I'm pretty sure Brett Favre, I mean, you know, I'm not one to count somebody's pockets. But uh, 20 years in the NFL, the NFL quarterbacks get a lot of money. Um, I'm willing to bet Brett Favre probably got $5 million. He got it. But he worked with politicians in Mississippi to steal $5 million of black people's wealth from poor people. Took $5 million from the welfare fund and built a volleyball stadium with it. Your oppressor wants every penny on the ground for himself. I think we talked about this last show. Once again, this has been another episode of the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. Catch you next time. I know you Uncle Toms hate this, but this is real talk. Now, do we see the white Jews of Germany crying and mourning when Hitler died? Why must a Negro cry if one of his slave or colonial masters dies? The bloody British Empire has the blood of at least 100 million blacks murdered by the British crown since 1650. The transatlantic slave trade, that's your queen. The Queen of England troops illegally invaded South Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, and Kenya. And by 1905, they have bombed, burned, wiped out scores of Zulu, Igbo, Ashanti, Bushmen, and Khoikhoi and the like. Between the years of 1900 and 1960, the so-called Queen of England and her crown pilfered and stole African gold, oil, diamond, and precious metals worth $10 trillion while we're poor today. The red carpet, that's the royal red carpet walking on the drenched blood of our ancestors. So you handkerchief head stool pigeon Uncle Toms, be quiet.